ahead. We just got to keep on boom going until we are live here. Welcome to another spicy, super spicy, the spiciest Spice Lords level episode of AAA Live. I'm your host today, Nat Vu, and today with me, Dylan Camacho. Yes, what? I'm Camacho. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome to AAA Live, everybody. If you're just now tuning in, uh, good. We just started the episode. Uh, Nat, what do we get on the roster today, buddy? Uh, today we're tripling up on kayfabe. We're talking about three people, one less important than the other two, and we are going to be covering William the Beast Bibiani in our competitors' corner. Woo! Bibiani, how are we going to cover that guy? That guy doesn't get weaknesses. He just gets all the questions right, right? Okay, so good. I don't, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Oh boy, I don't know what we're going to talk about either. It's going to be us just talking about how much we just really like Bibs. What is, what is sweet guy? Uh, he's a great dude, but. Uh, we've also got a very full-on pack triple header kayfabe discussion where we're going to be breaking down. I say breaking down. We're going to be discussing Laura Kelly, Sean Sullivan, and if we decide to make time for that trader, Brandon Hannon, we might even talk about him for a little bit. We'll see. Doesn't um, even get an episode. Yeah, we, we ain't giving him his own episode. He doesn't deserve it. Um, so let's just leap on in, man. I, I've been hungry. It's been two weeks. It's been it's been a rowdy time in the kayfabe scene, man. Wait, hold on, hold on. We let's cover what AAA stands for this week. Oh boy, how could I possibly forget? Sorry, that's 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 a nad move thing to do. Um, AAA Live this week stands for yeah. All Aboard Alabama. Go down Alabama. Let's make it happen, Arlo. Wait, why are we going to Alabama? <laughs> I thought we were no, we were slow down Nashville for like ever. I'm still slow down Nashville. Go slow hashtag slow down Nashville, everybody. But it doesn't sound like it's happening for a while. Alabama isn't even close to you. Why are you on in Alabama? <laughs> roll Tide. Wow, Roll Tide, everybody. <laughs> oh, God. That's Oklahoma. I don't know why. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so welcome to the Now Friendly With Your Cousins podcast, All Aboard Alabama. This is AAA Live. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Cox already hitting us with the big bangers. Not, man. You're absolutely right. And we are not talking about him first we are talking about all the cool star wars stuff going on let's let's get into all right firstly spoilers maybe possibly for the star wars match that happened with laura kelly and sean sullivan we may go into the results have you got that match that actually i didn't ask about that prior i'm sorry i just spaced out for minutes <laughs> <laughs> sean sullivan and laura kelly have you got that match yet are we gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. good. so if we get into spoilers i, I told y'all already don't be upset go check it out go watch that come bound back we'll still be talking um yeah, let's talk about their kayfabe work though. Because we've got we've got a face turn or a heel turn rather from Laura Kelly. And Sean Sullivan, I think it's just being Sean Sullivan, if I'm being totally honest, but it's playing pretty smooth. I don't know. All right, who stands out? Who's the right now in kayfabe world? Who stands out amongst those two to you? I think I think they both stand out. I mean, I think it's a really good thing that uh that we're finally getting more developed characters in the Star Wars division because, like, for as long as time, everyone was basically a babyface except for Ken. Yep. And I think that that it brings an extra element that's much needed to a division that hasn't seen as much attention as I think it should. So I think it's it's absolutely a good thing. I'm really sad that one of them is out of the match, out of the tournament. I mean, because like they're both so good personality-wise. Um, I think. I think it's. I want to talk, talk about Laura Kelly first because, like, I think it's really interesting. Like, we didn't see the side of her last season. I think that joining Corruption has brought out 
the best in her, like she like she said. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Like she just, you can tell that she's a likable person, but like she plays this this arrogant arrogant peel who knows this, how good she is really well. Like she just exudes this confidence, and I think part of that is because she's been there before. She's played for the championship before, so she knows how good she is, and it makes sense for her to have this personality. Right. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree. I think that the Star Wars division has been has been hungry for kayfabe work, right? We haven't really seen a whole lot of characters flesh out other than Ken early on. Um, I think Christian even put out a, like some Twitter polls or uh, polls recently on the Facebook page talking about like who's like the big stars in, in the Star Wars division, and everybody was pretty heavy on when I saw it was going Napsock, which, I mean, I'm not going to argue that at all. Napsock is absolutely a gem. Um, Star Wars. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that he, he came in being kind of the defining character for the division. Um, Damon, you know, I think Damon's pretty straight up. He has a couple of fun cut scenes where he, you know, goes through the force and everything like that. Uh, yeah. And, you know, but he, he could definitely turn it on a lot more, right? Like Damon could have easily, at this point, Damon could just be like a total hill about being like the best champion that's ever done it. Right. Mm -hmm. He's got a crazy amount of defenses. He's got so much going on. Um, as far as skill and everything. So seeing some of the true, more traditional hills, so to speak, with it. So Brianne Chandler, shout out to Miss Movies in the chat, uh, mentioned I love Sassy Laura Kelly. And that is actually a great thing because I was wondering how Laura Kelly's character kind of reminded me. And it does have a hint of a little bit of Stacey Howard in it, right? Like it has this strong, um, you, you mentioned arrogant, but I, I think arrogant is great for like a heel persona. You know, you need to have sure. something just like I'm punching above everybody's pay grade. I don't even need to be dealing with you. Her promo was fire when that came out. When they were dropping promos on that, I wasn't ready for Star Wars Division to be dropping hot promos like this. I don't know, man. It was great. Like I'm just having a good time. I'm just like, all right. It feels like slowdown again, you know? Absolutely. I think I feel like maybe I shouldn't have used the word arrogance because like, I think it's more confidence because she is really good and oh. she knows it. But I mean, it does fit her whole character arc so much because like like I said she knows how good she is and she's with corruption so she can't be a baby face with that faction around her so I think right. it, it definitely makes sense I think it's good character development which uh, I, I really want to see more of mm -hmm. yeah uh, our boy Billy Belford in the chat mentioned it's an interesting juxtaposition from before the Damon match whenever she was saying well Alex is going to win you're spot on man I think and you know Zeke in here coming in saying Nivesox going down next match but feels like Shannon and Corruption have greatly increased their confidence. I think this is one of the beautiful things about this season um, where, with the factions and everything. And, you know, I feel like for a little bit, we haven't really got to see the full effects on the individual players, seeing all the factions influence on everybody. You know, we, of course, we've been starved for matches, which is nothing to do with the showdown. That's just society right now. Um, but the matches we've seen with some of these new players, especially in the Star Wars division, we're seeing how they play in, in the part that they're given. So with Laura Kelly and Corruption, we're getting this awesome, sassy, just full-on Laura Kelly who's just ready to sit there and say, you know what? No. How many questions have you missed in round one? How many questions have I missed in three matches? Like, oh, that's so good. Like, I, 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 love, I love a solid heel who can back up what they say, right? Like, that's always the best. You want to see your heels win. You don't want them just to just be – this antagonist on the mic. You want them to feel like they're a threat. Like, I want to feel that Thanos-level power behind the words they're saying. So it's just awesome to see this creeping in the Star Wars and being a thing. We have Nabsock on, I think, the same side of the bracket, if I recall. He's going to play Ace, and then I think it's the winner of that plays Laura Kelly. Um, 
Don't quote me on that. I don't know. Somebody probably has that bracket ready. They're like, Dylan. I know. Like, <laughs> definitely plays Ace next. I'm, I'm not sure who he plays after that if he yeah. wins. Um, but yeah, I think it's absolutely great. Now, Zeke's mentioning uh, in chat here, he says, Sean isn't the character. Kelly's different in promos and matches. I wouldn't answer questions. I would agree. Um, I would agree that Kelly's different. I would say that Sean's not necessarily a character. I think he's still feeling himself out. Um, which I think is fair, because if you look at the difference between factions, right? We have Corruption, who is a heel faction no matter what way you look at it. You know, like, as Nat mentioned, you can't really be a babyface in that faction. It doesn't really play well. Um, now, if you look over at the Den, on paper, it's essentially a heel faction, but I, I would argue it's closer to tweener flavor. Would you say, I mean, would you agree, Nat? I would, I would move them a little bit closer to heel just because of Grace Hancock. I don't think she can be anything but a heel. Grace pushes it over, I would agree, but I like, and while I, I love Kate's heel work because it's very unique in its own like style on how she's a heel, yeah. like just this Brooklyn one. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Who's someone who's like quite a heel like her, who's not like mean or anything, but she's just doing stuff on purpose to piss people off. Right. Like, brilliant. So, but I don't know. Something about it doesn't sell it as hard. Like, it's it's the interesting thing having two heels go against each other, right? Because you're going to have somebody be not as full heel as the other. So I feel like Sean's kind of put in this position where he can have some smart talk. He can kind of do that. But he also wants to sit here and play confidently. We have to remember this is only Sean's second match. So he's going in wanting to win. Yeah. Laura Kelly's a little bit more comfortable with this. And I think both at home, they, you know, they want to both be in studio. But overall, you know, Sean's still... Very fresh as a rookie. So, I mean, I don't blame him for not getting enough time to develop a character or go full into heel or anything right now. He got put into the tournament, and his priority is playing. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll excuse that he's not going to go full into that stuff, but I think that from what he's shown, he has this nice – he has a suave attitude to him, right? It's something – he has that heel confidence going in, and you can tell that he's not afraid to just flex it. In interviews, he even said, you know, I don't think the competitors here are that good. Um but and it's not to say that he didn't play really well. I mean, Sean played great in that match. Spoiler: <laughs> if you haven't seen the match already, but Laura Kelly did end up winning, and it just kind of makes her heel speech a little bit better because she had the work, the skills to back it up, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Can't feel. Uh, uh, sorry, I always have to bring this up because we love bringing this up. Certain competitors kept feeling we're heels in the deck. <laughs> uh, Bel Belford, if I had that clip, I'd play it right now. But we're not going to do that on this show, so. <laughs> Uh, we love you, Ben Goddard. If you tune in for one part of the show and you see us harassing it, we love you. Um, great guy. But, yeah, so I don't know. It's interesting. We're getting more heel versus heel matches, and it just has so much room for good banter and talk in the matches. But I also – we've also in this part where we're getting a lot of new faces kind of getting their chance to finally play. Either way, uh, how it all develops, I'm stoked to see it in the Star Wars division. Um it's super good just to have it feel like, I don't know. It makes it, it just feels, makes it feel more legitimate to slow down. Right. Before it felt more straight up trivia and not enough of the kayfabe work, so to speak. But now we're really getting it fleshed in, in these early matches. Ken's promo. He just looks like he's unhinged at this point. I don't know how that match is going to go with him and Ace. I'm really excited to see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, basically like, like Billy Buckler just said, he was he was the best part of the tournament, and I agree. Like we compare this thing to wrestling all the time, and heel versus heel is so rare because you need the crowd the crowd reaction. 
Right. Um, you need someone to cheer. You need someone to boo. That's not the case with the Schmodown, where people are in the know. They know who they like. They know who they like. The heels. They hate the baby faces, and it's it's all like jumbled and everything. So I think heel versus heel is such a good good thing to see because I just love the trash talk back and forth. Like you know, you don't often get that with baby face versus baby face. You get that. You definitely you're definitely gonna get that with heel versus heel. And I think the thing with Sean Sullivan is I actually had him going to the final. So. Woo! Yeah, I, I I did rate him pretty highly just because like we like him here at the Call of Action. Yeah. And I I do agree that it's not too much of a character, but I do think it's a character because he's actually really likable outside of the Schmodown. Yeah. But I think he's more of a subtle heel, like he's subtle, smooth, suave, all the S's. Um, I think that it's it's like he doesn't exude confidence, but it's more like a but it's there. Yeah, you can see like he's 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 so sure of himself and everything. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's that's something that that's different from the typical heel behavior we've seen, where they're all boisterous and they they're they're screaming from the mountaintops that they're the best. I think Sean knows he's the best, but he doesn't need to yell it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm there with you. It is. Um, I, I think there's definitely a difference with Sean in person compared to Sean with that. And you know, we're hashtag blessed to have gotten to meet Sean and interact with Sean and all. Where we know what genuine Sean is, and where it is, and where you know the Sean characters. Um, you know, it's it's funny though. I mean, during the last couple like the promos and matches, he's sitting there drinking on something, um, you know, and it's just like a nice smooth drink. And I kind of get that. That's a feel of a character for Sean, actually. I think it's a good representation of him, right? He's just the smooth, has a little bite to him, drink that's just going to go in, do what he needs to. And you're gonna feel a little better after the match, all said and done. Like he, has got that smooth whiskey flavor to him. I'm gonna call him a smooth whiskey heel, is what I'm gonna call him. Yeah. Um, because it's subtle. Like it should be like a nice good drink, you know? Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm saying, I'm sorry. Whatever. Welcome to AAA Live. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think Kelly uh, uh, Megs is in the chat. Of course, we love Megs here. Um, I don't think Kelly's inconsistent enough to be compared to Howard. Uh, and this is in regards to Belford saying. Laura Kelly busting brackets just like Stacey Howard. Has anyone seen both of them in the same room? <laughs> That's, uh, I actually haven't seen them both in the same room, so you might be on to something there. But I wouldn't say Laura Kelly's busting brackets, though. I mean, she was the favored one in that. Now, <laughs> my bracket. Right, she busted, just busted Nat's bracket. I don't know. I'll just don't I don't think a bracket buster because she's, I would say she's the favorite right now. Definitely the favorite with that. I mean, she came off the match. Um, you know, with Damon, that was her last match. She had a championship title match, like, not too long ago. Now, granted, people are going to say it's a Star Wars division. She played, like, one match, and she got to go into that. Sure, but, I mean, she still played toe-to-toe with Damon. She did really, really well. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say you can't bust brackets if you're the higher seed, but she busted that, so that's what's important. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a bummer for Sean as far as that goes. I think I actually got Laura Kelly going to the finals on my bracket, if I remember right. Hmm. So this is just par for the course for me. I'm just waiting in the finals. I won't say who she plays against, but it may be a rematch. I'll say it that way. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see. see. I'll never expose my bracket because I'm not going to get criticized for it. Now, the IG bracket, oh, man, I'm going to get into that one here really soon. Uh, stay tuned on this channel to see how we get in the IG bracket. That's going Woo! But we're not talking IG. Oh wait, are we? We are. We did mention we're going to add a third person into this game. We have to. I guess we do. I wanted to. He's been calling us out. 
All right, let's let's talk about the drama, guys. Let's talk about the real drama. And the real drama is with Brandon Hanna, that phony. Let's get it. We'll pull him onto the show. No, he doesn't come on shows. We don't invite him on shows. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, Brandon Hanna's gateway work. Let's get into some of the new new heel tactics that Brandon Hanna's on. So if you've seen that promo, um, go over and watch Bibb's promo because it's better. And uh, <laughs> if you go back to Brandon Hanna's promo, he sets up what seems to be the I'm going to burn this whole league to the ground. I'm turning my back on it. He's doing the Sasuke arc for my Naruto fans in the chat. He's turning his back to the village. He's going off to seek power, and he wants to just take over and be the top dog, right? That's that's how he's pushing himself in this position. He's turning his back on everybody and going in. Uh, of course, Belford waited no less than one second to post the greatest man alive and my best friend, Brandon, the Hitman Hannah. Here's the thing. I'm actually on Hannah's side. This, this podcast, I don't know, man. You guys are having lunch with, with competitors. I wasn't invited. That's true. Alex said that we had lunch. They, they had lunch um, every other Thursday, which conveniently yeah. is when AAA Live goes, goes on air. Yeah. So <laughs> what, is, what is that about? I've never been invited. I've never been invited. Brendan Meyer seems delightful. He seems like the kind of guy who, if you got your meal wrong, you would pay for the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Brendan Meyer, get in our DMs. We want to have lunch. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know what? Hannah, Hannah's talking a lot of trash. Not just the Call to Action podcast, of course. He's talking to everybody. He's talking to Ben Smets. He had a whole episode with that. Miss Movie says, who's having lunch? I know. That's what we want to know. We want to get in on it. Who's having lunch, guys? Let's have hashtag Zoom lunch. Call to action. Um, I've had more lunches with Hannah than C2A. I believe that. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. So we've got we've got this new drama. We've got. It feels like the whole the whole promo I posted in the comments with this. I'm gonna reuse my own words. It felt like I was waiting for him to drop like the hottest single of 2019, right? Wait, 2019, though, isn't that last year? Yeah, 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 because he's doing old news. But um, we're sitting here, and that whole little background music in the back, like, you know, I just waited for some bars the entire time, and I'm really upset that I didn't get any. (laughs) Um, What what do you think of it? Do you think that he's going too hard at the league? Is he going full emo Sasuke-level stuff, or is it just right? I'm really not sure how I handle this segment. Like, do I do it out of kayfabe or do I do it in kayfabe? Let's let's go out of kayfabe for yeah. a quick second. I, I fucking I really love this. Like, this is some of the best character work we've ever seen. I commented on the video. I was like, I'm not even mad. This is incredible. And it's just we need this kind of like heel energy in the league. Like, and he's brought it, and he's going after people who he has no business going after, including us. Yeah. <laughs> You love to see it. I, I mentioned like in my my video that I posted, like hitmen are supposed to be precise. They're not supposed to be going around spraying spraying rounds at everyone. And I don't know. I kind of I kind of like that he's throwing caution for the win and just going after everybody. Like he's making enemies left and right. And yeah. I I feel like I'm here for it. So outside of cafe, if we're being totally neutral host on a channel that hosts us but doesn't tell us when lunch is with Schmodown competitors and the like. It's messed up, guys. It's messed up. It's messed up. But um, all of that aside, yeah, you know, uh, we're in a world of Schmodown right now where it is almost oversaturated with hills, I think. Um, I think it was Zeke who mentioned in the chat earlier. You know, we're in the attitude era of Schmodown right now, right? It is everybody loves the heels, heels everywhere. Everybody get the heels out. Everybody be a little snarky. 
Um, either that or Bridge is really grumpy from being quarantined for like four months in a row. I really can't tell you if that's heel work or if it's just genuine irritation. But um, yeah, Hannes is definitely a step up above a lot of people's. He's coming in here and just ready to burn everything to the ground. And I love that no nonsense mentality. But I, man, I don't know. Listen, I know Hannah's good. I'll be the first to tell Hannah. Hannah's pretty good. He's a dude. He's a good dude. He's solid in IG. The only losses he can say is the Chandru. And yeah, I mean, the wheel didn't go his way. We can make the excuses for Hannah if we want to. I'm not going to because he's throwing caution to win and hitting us with stuff. But, you know, he's pretty solid. But we haven't seen him get a win in a W. We need that W, boys. We need to see some wins. Otherwise, these words kind of fall flat. Now, if you tell me Hannah versus Saul, do I think Hannah's going to win that? Probably. But it says a lot to sit there and go into the match when you're feeling like you're not super confident in yourself. I need to see that confidence not only in the kayfabe work, but in the play. You know, we Again, he's had bad luck in the Chandra's matches, if you want to use that excuse. But no matter what way you look at it, he's... He's on the two or O2 record recently. He's down two matches. He's long two losses. He needs a win. I think he needs a win for a confidence boost so he can really push that heel stuff to the next level. But if he loses, man, that just feels oof. It feels like you're on a play, right? And you have all those uh, backgrounds, the big wooden backgrounds put up behind you, and it just randomly falls over. And you see all the production workers like scrambling. That's what that would look like to me. Like, <laughs> I like that analogy. That's good. Uh, Belford saying no IG heels though. I mean, yeah, Kalinowski, we have our back and forth. He's too strong of a tweener. He has his heel moments, but then he loves you after the match, regardless if you win or lost. So it's kind of hard to say, like full on heel. But yeah, I would agree. It is somewhere along the middle there. Um, okay, Miss <laughs> Movies in the chat saying Chandru and Mike and Chancer. <laughs> I disagree vehemently that Chandru is a heel, but that's another discussion for another time. We yeah. talked about that some. Like when Snyder was on, I think, a couple weeks uh, ago. Miss Movies also mentions I have to get going unless you're going to talk about my hands up video and I will stay here longer. Um, I will go grab that video and just play just to have Miss Movies here longer. I love having people in the chat. Um, but we probably can't pull it up. We probably need to stick to our own content brand. Go do dinner if that's what you need to do. I'm glad somebody's out here eating dinner with people and getting invites out there. Unlike some people, call the action podcast. <laughs> uh, Goddard. All right. I'll give you that. It yep. is heel and um, Chandru, I think Chandru, oh man, I think Chandru's a heel at this point. Go watch our episode of Spider. We, we hash it out for a long time on the Chandru issue. And that's not about it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think Hannah's a great dude. And whenever I talk with him, it just sits. Sometimes you can tell he tries to want to be a heel at first, and I'm like, Hannah, this isn't the time for that, man. We're like, we're at a bar. It's like 11 p.m. after a snowdown event. You didn't claim. Come on, buddy. Like, let's just talk like human beings. And he's like, you suck, Dylan Camacho. I love that guy. It's great. So I have to bring a Hannah. You know what? Exposing frauds. That's what he's doing. Exposing this podcast. Thank you, Brandon Hannah, for your service. I really don't know which side to take because on one hand, I'm part of call action. On the other hand, I'm with Dylan on AAA Live, so I don't know where to I go with this. But without us, I'm still upset. You know what? We're going to make our own show. I'm going to go ahead and put it out right now. Me, you, Belford, you can come too. Why not? Belford loves food. We're going to do a show. We're going to do a show called This Isn't Champ's Lunch. And we're going to sit there and we're just going to get together with competitors and throw down. Eat a lunch and hang out like we'd be having lunch one day. Just chatting. Chatting it up. If you want to go watch that, let us know in the comments. I'm going to do it anyway. 
Brendan Meyer, get in my DMs. What's up? Somebody clip that. Send it to him. <laughs> Belford, damn straight. I've already actually talked with Belford in length about this. We're going to make that show happen because this podcast needs to get a reality check and let AAA Live get in on this meat, this lunch meat. Give me that bologna, dog. Give me the sandwiches. Give us that meat. <sighs> why, why is everything we say double, a double entendre? <laughs> like, <laughs> But how it sounded until I said it. Uh, next segment. Next segment. What's next? What's next? Okay, so, so basically, I want to talk more about Brandon Hanover. Yeah, bit. no, go ahead. Uh, because um, I feel like it's a discussion for another time because the discussion about how how heels are oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, even with this episode, we talked about the different types of heels. Like Sean Sullivan's a one type of heel. Laura Keller's a um, type of heel. And uh, Brandon Hanna is a different type of heel. But we we haven't seen a whole ton of nuanced baby faces. Like, the baby faces we've seen are just basically themselves or they're themselves tightened to another level, like with Brandon Meyer. So I would like to see more types of heel, more types of baby faces because there are a lot of possibilities you can do. And that's that's a discussion for another time. Going back to Brandon Hanna, I think he definitely does need a win. I think he's. I think there's a good chance he's gonna get some this year, but he, he can't be talking all that trash until he wins. Kayfabe turned on. Fuck you, Brandon Hanna. Chandra beat you twice. Yep, Chandra beat you twice. You fool. We love him on this show. We love you, Chandra. If you're not even in chat, but you've been in chat more than Brandon Hanna. We love you on this show. You destroyed Brandon Hanna not one time, but twice, and it's gonna be a third time probably. Because you guys keep playing each other. It's kind of like a magnet thing. It's like there's no other competitors in IG. It's kind of funny, actually. But um, <laughs> I love the vote. I love the IG division so much. IG division is, by nobody's surprise, my favorite division. Oh, uh, oh God. Give me IG all day. Give me just give me Strode all day. Give me just yeah, Strode. Exactly. <laughs> I'm starved for interaction. Pull me out of the work hole, please. Amen, sister. Give me yeah. all the Much my competitors are themselves. Uh, yes and no. Okay, you're gonna tell me that fucking Tom is actually like that in real life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I've I've never interacted with Tom outside of kayfabe. So 100 percent of my interactions with Tom has been 100 percent that he's that dude. So he's that dude. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Um, yes, yes, he is. But we're, listen, all right, yeah, we're all on board with this. Tom is actually knows more than we do, so I would take his word for it. Yep. Uh, Tom knows where dead bodies are, anyway. So. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll start to wrap up the kayfabe one as far as the discussion goes with that. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I am, I'm hungry to see some a little bit more babyface interaction here, a little bit more face characters in because I think that while heel versus heel matches are, are awesome, they are sometimes the best content you will get just for the banter alone. I do love a typical you know, story where you have the hero and a villain, they meet for the finals and it's all about the belt and you just have this right or wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Something about that black and white contrast, not all the time. And I think it's a lot more prevalent in singles division and maybe even teams division than any of the other ones. I think star Wars is really leaning heel more. IG heel, heel, heel for kind of bigger players. But then you have, you know, matches like Rachel Cushing against Mike Kalinowski. Whenever Mike's going in as heel as he can before he tells Rachel how much he loves her, Pre, during, and most of the match. Like I don't count, I don't count that part as part of kayfabe. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> I disagree about Mike. Like I am gonna pick and choose which part of him I accept or not. 
Because to me, Mike Kalinowski is 100% a heel, except for when he goes out of character. Then he's 100% a heel, except for when he isn't. This he's is 100% a heel 60% of the time. Yep, 100% of the time, he is a heel 60% of the time. Nat Vu, 2020. Um, yeah, but I miss some of these matchups, right, where you have this good versus evil mentality, right? Uh, yeah. I think the matches are great, but we're not heel for that right now in Snowdown. Right now, we are here for heels. Get those long stilettos. Start walking down the streets, ladies. We're here for heels. Let's get them all out there on the streets. Um, <laughs> I say the things that I do. So, <laughs> except for the 42 times that he has cried. Listen, Listen you're not wrong. Villains can cry, too. I mean, it's 2020, all right? Anyone can cry. I mean, hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with crying. I cried at least twice today. It's I been cried. a hard day. Only one of those times was about not being invited to lunch. Call to action podcast. Phonies. Embarrassing. I thought you guys were friends, but. Yeah, we love you guys. You're friends with Brendan Meyer. Yeah, but you're friends with Brendan Meyer and you're treating it like it's exclusive. Let's hang out. Brendan Meyer, I think you have opinions about maple syrup that I want to hear. Let's do <laughs> breakfast. Let's do brunch, buddy. How yeah, was I want to hear more about those moose. Those moose stars. We'll, we'll get them. We'll get Brandon Hanna or Brandon Hanna. No, we won't. No, we won't. Nope. Nope. Anyway, are you crying? There's no crying in Shmoda. That's not true. This show is exclusively crying and Shmoda. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we've been on this one for a while longer than we needed to. So, no, uh, this much. Yeah, we do. We wanted to give Brandon Hanna about five minutes of our time because that's what he's worth. On to the next segment of the show. We love you, Brandon Hanna. I can't. I can't say that. You're. I'm sure you're a real nice guy. Whenever you're not being in full heel, we love you, buddy. Come back. <laughs> you expose the people who don't want all right uh, enough of the lunch stuff so um i'm hungry Nat, what's the next segment buddy <laughs> <laughs> the next segment is competitor's corner which is basically where we break down a certain competitor's strengths their weaknesses and we basically create a guidebook for how to beat them and today we have the one the only brenda myers partner william the beast bibiani um now we say breakdown as a term not for them as a personality or anything like that we're just going statistically and analyze and see hey do they have weaknesses if they are what does it look like what are the preferences in the rounds how can we're you make not, them comfortable we're not talking about their emotional weaknesses we're talking about strictly game like right yeah like we're not talking about how he's not good at like driving or whatever we're talking about the slowdown uh that's, that's a spicy comment to say i don't i've never seen bibs drive so we can't I'm, confirm I'm using that as an example yeah um well, let's, let's get into the strategy, make it around three and hope. Amen. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that that's, that's the summary of it, but let, let's get into Bibbs. Let's talk about Bibbs. Is he, is he really that good, though, Jack? Has he got the stats to back it up? I mean, it seems like he's good. I can't remember the last time he missed a round one question. That's a Laura Kelly line. Go check out that Star Wars speech, everybody. Um, let's, let's pull up stats. So let me get this up real quick. Boom. So you can have our faces right here, and I hope that everybody sees that all well. So this is... Now, again, we always do our stats within the last calendar year, 365 days. If you're saying, well, Bibbs is definitely not three and three, listen, it's the time. We look at the last year of relevance. If you don't know that by now, well, now you know. So within the last 365 days of Smowdown in real life, it's three and three. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit later, but, you know, averages around one, 7.5, which means that it's 
pretty good. There's eight questions. He gets 7.5 out of them. How does he get a half point? Don't ask questions. It's stats. You don't want to know. So, you know, uh, average after round two is 14 points. So the max you can get on round one, round two, eight, 10, 14. So he's doing pretty good after round two. Um, round three, 94%, 16 out of 17. Multiple choice. He always gets it. Looking pretty good across the board, right? Chooses to defer. Which actually surprised me. So we've said notoriously there are two types of players in round two. Um, there are momentum players and there are strategy players. Momentum players choose to go first. They want to feel like they're ahead the whole time. So they pull ahead. They want to go first, and they want to sit there and just never be behind. Mike Kalinowski is traditionally one of these players. Um, you go into round two, you have your strategy players. People choose to go second. They want to know how much they can cut corners. If they feel like they're behind, it doesn't bother them. They can go to multiple choice if they want to. These are more strategic players. Not that round one players can't or the momentum players can't be strategic. It's just how round two kind of favors them. Bib surprises me. He feels like a momentum player, right? Like he feels oh, like yeah. he's gonna get eight and never stop. Yeah, this is definitely surprising. I would definitely peg him for a momentum player because to me, the perception going in is that he's he's this player who's mostly knowledge and not mm-hmm. he's not as strategic as the other players. So it does surprise me that that he chooses to defer because we've seen like people who usually refer are the most more strategic strategic players like Bateman or or Brendan Meyer or whatever so yeah. it does it is surprising that that he chooses to defer right um we'll, we'll speak on his record for Shazam and everything but just assume that he's not playing Dan Merle and uh John Roca again on the team that he's doing real well um that's the gist of Shazam in a nutshell we don't talk about the family match here uh let's let's get into his matches though so 2019, he starts out a uh, studio match, him and Merle go for a belt, and Merle wins by a TKO. Um, Bibbs goes on a run during the tournament, plays Ellison, Irwin, and Roka, which is the craziest thing to think about. I think we're thinking back, man, those matches yeah. were close. Yeah. Um, plays El- Chance, Irwin, and Roka, wins all three of them. Goes against Bateman for the, uh, for the number one contender shot right before Shimona, or right in Spectacular for the finals. Loses to Bateman by TKO. And then starts off the year this year, which feels like forever ago, um, when the triple threat, Bibiani, Merle, Meyer. So let's 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 break down some of the stuff about Bibs. Here's what we know, right? So let's get into weaknesses and stuff, and then we'll get into that. Oh god, the crazy stats, the good ones. Oh boy, that's friendly kid Meyer. That way, this way, this way. We're we're professionals. I swear we do this all the time. Uh, 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 uh. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm waiting for something terrible to pop up on this. Hold on. <laughs> let me let me let me do this real quick. Let me do. This. I know the graphics thing. Uh, Nat, distract everybody. Jingle bell. Uh, filling time. Filling time. Has anyone seen fucking the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? That was really, really good. That was really good. Huh? Uh, Last Dance, the Michael, the Michael Jordan documentary. I have. Yeah. It's uh, some probably some of the best documentary work I've ever seen. Like the editing is so good. And like, even if you're not a big sports fan, I don't know how to fill time. And even if you're not a big sports fan, it's you. You'll get into the story like really easily. Like you don't have to know sports. I actually found the graphic like an hour ago. I just wanted to hear you go on about the rest. Of this. <laughs> All, right. All right, so let's get to the bibs breakdown and stuff like that. Uh, Eric Frederick says you're fired, Dylan. That's fair. Um, it's it's been it's been a day and a week for me, guys. All right, bear with me. So. <laughs> Um, anyway, let's get into 
Bibiani strengths, right? So this is, if you want to see what high tier stats look like when you're looking at strengths, hundred percent of questions that were asked multiple times. Eleven, eleven, hundred percent. Or eight questions, hundred percent, which makes sense. Horror, horror, thriller is going to blend into each other. That you know, statistically makes sense. Directors, hundred percent. Famous actors and actresses, hundred percent. Fantasy sci-fi, surprisingly, ninety-three percent. Um. Oscars, and this is kind of the big difference here, right? So a player like Bibbs, I would say your top five, top ten players even, statistically their weaknesses are still going to look pretty damn good. Like they're going to look like my grades all the way through college good. You're going to see 86%, 80s, 50s, depending on if I was drinking a lot for that class. Um, mm -hmm. Stuff like this, you don't see a lot of percentage drop below 80% even for the top ten. Um, new releases, again, small amount of questions overall. But 50% of the time, he's missed it. Same thing with movie release dates, which, again, notoriously one of those categories you either do know or you don't know. Um, it's it's interesting, though. So seeing that weaknesses even have 50% within bids is pretty impressive still. Now, granted, it's two questions, so it's pretty easy to get 50%. It's either 100 or 50. But knowing some categories on the wheel that you want to give bids is a pretty important strategy beating him. Round one, he's going to be doing real well. Um, round three, he's got a really good showing. You're really preying on round two to really deal all the damage to bits that you're going to get. So new releases, um, movie release dates, even Pixar to an extent is going to be one of these ones that's going to be kind of helpful um, in trying to trip up bits if you're going to try to do anything to do that. Now, uh, the other big things on strategy that we usually hear offer here at the show is saying, is somebody kayfabe proof? Is being doing kayfabe and doing works like that going to be something that's going to get into a player's head? Is that going to be able to take them off their tempo and make them kind of, you know, go off and not be as good as they, they normally are? Nat, what's your thoughts on bibs with kayfabe? Do you think it's something that can bother them? Can you push that? Is mind games going to be something that works with Bibiani? I think it certainly is something that can bother him. I, I feel like he's not one of those players that like bulletproof to to kayfabe and trash talk i think that he he might be affected by it. i it's hard to know because you're not actually in the competitor's head but like from what we've seen i think that he does do sometimes do a good job like letting it roll off but other times i, I it certainly can't hurt to use kayfabe against against bibs because like mm -hmm. what are you going to do you you're like your only strategy going in is to answer as many questions as you can correctly and you, you gotta like fish for anything else that you you can you can get like you get a grasp of the straws so i do i do think that it definitely doesn't hurt uh to implement kayfabe into your strategy right um real quick i want to point out is alex Oshek, fan of the show also member of the call to action podcast yep those are unrelated um statistically speaking how confident you're on the wheel um, are you good with five out of 12 slices on there you should definitely go second I was like, just going to bring this up because we've been doing this show for like, what is it, six months now? And people are finally starting to challenge our notion of certain players are, are choose to defer and certain players choose to, to spin first. Right. Like, it, it does depend on the situation you're in, but I think yeah. more often than not, you're like in a similar position as you were the previous matches because you usually do the same about this as well as you do in other matches in terms of round one. So Bibbs is usually going to have high points in round one. So I think 
it depends on how many slices on the wheel you're comfortable with your opponent and everything. But yeah. more often than not, players will learn will lean a certain way. Yeah, I'm you know, and back on, I think Alex is pretty spot on with that uh, point. To come in here and debate with us, apparently. Yeah, begs to differ. No, nope. well, Alex, you have the link to get in here. By all yeah. means, I actually don't disagree with Alex. I think that not that that's the, exactly the founding thought because I, I know we've at one point mentioned. Now, a lot of what is on the wheel should determine a little bit on how you feel about going first or second as well. If you want, if you've got a bunch of categories that you don't really particularly like up there, then having them go first and taking one of those categories off the wheel for you kind of helps out. And she's there. Surprise, mofos! <laughs> All right, Alex Shawsek on the show, everybody. Alex, let me finish this thought and then I'll let you go on your rant because I'm agreeing with you halfway here. So I'll agree and say that. Yes, absolutely. If there are more categories that a player is not comfortable with, then they should have the person go first because you're knocking off hopefully some of these categories that you don't want to be spinning anyway. 100% will agree with you there. On the flip side, though, I think it's more in-depth than that, and it's not as shallow because we look at this and there's a certain – I think so much of Schmodown comes down to a comfortability level as well. Um, feeling like you're in it. I know you may disagree. Yeah, but no, no, yeah, I'll, I'll go into it after you. Yeah. For sure, sure. But I know we hit these – you know, there are certain players that come into the show that come to mind, and I feel like that they want to find as much comfort as they can when they're playing. Bibbs wants to always get eight and then not worry about the rest of the match. Ideally, he would never play the third round because he's notoriously lost in the third round a lot of times. Um, you have these players who want to sit here, and they want to feel confident in how they're doing it, and not generally the two schools, as we've mentioned before. You're a player who just wants to feel like you're ahead on points because it makes you feel better about going into the match. Or you're a player who wants to know how much they can cut back on if it comes down to it. Okay, can I go multiple choice on this and still be ahead by round three? Or can I be tying it in round three? Um, but let's go ahead. Let's get your thoughts on it. You hopped on in on a moment's notice. So. <laughs> well, okay. So I was actually just chatting about this earlier today with my competitor. So um my approach going into this wheel as a manager, and I, uh, the way I kind of uh, go about it is, you know, mathematically speaking, I, I understand the statistics. Now, competitors and managers going into these matches, they don't find out until the day of, usually only like maybe 20 minutes before the start of the match. Now, usually there's uh, roughly 12 slices on the wheel, right? Now, like I mentioned in the chat earlier, statistically speaking, it really kind of depends on their strengths and weaknesses. They're going to analyze beforehand, possibly with their competitor or not, just to be like, okay, on a scale of one to five, how comfortable am I in this role? Okay, so obviously if I'm Bibbs, if I spend Horror Thriller right out the gate, you know, awesome. I'm obviously going to keep it considering, you know, that's a major strength of his. But maybe if he spins away from it and gets Pixar or... Um, or maybe something like, I don't know, 70s or something a little more random, then maybe he would be a little more on edge. Now, if he looks at the wheel, he's looking at the wheel and maybe he's ranking them, ranking all these slices from best to worst, right? Let me just grab one. Wait, let's say he likes, um, let's say he likes somehow like seven out of the 12 slices, right? So he should 100% go first because mathematically he's much more likely to spin a slice in his favor. So he needs to go first. Now, if he's if he spun second, sure, uh, the person uh, the person who spun it um, could get a slice that he likes, but he likes six other slices, so he's good to go. But statistically speaking, that would actually decrease his amount of slices that he would like in the so his chances go from from change from potentially going from seven out of the 12 that he would like, which would be great for him to go into to the second round, 
Or if he ended up going into this second because he'd be like, oh, I want to put the pressure on them or something. <laughs> I'm a heel, you know. Watch oh, heels. 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 <laughs> and in that case, that would change his statistics from being liking seven out of the 12 to suddenly he only likes half of them. And you don't know where that uh, where that slice is going to be, so it's much more risky going into that second round for him. So again, it just depends on statistically speaking, how confident are you in those particular slices? Matt, you Asian logic. This is why you tune into this show. <laughs> also, this is okay. So going into this, as since I've been managing my competitors. Nine times out of ten, as when I started like understanding the slices this way, almost every single every match that I've been involved with, you know, as a manager, my as when I analyze it like this, I like go there and I'm like, okay, that you're okay with this one, but I know statistically you can do better. You know, if you are somewhere in the gray zone and you spend someone you're like in eh, with, I'm like statistically, you're still like a good 60 per 70 percent more likely to spin one that's more in your favor. So go ahead and spin. So as a result, I spin really well. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's a really good argument against mine. Like, I'm not gonna lie. If I ever decide to compete, then I want Alex to be a manager. Like. <laughs> but, but you're right though. When it comes to spinning, spinning little, some of it is psychological. It can be sometimes if you are that confident in the wheel as a competitor. If you're someone like Kevin Smith where, or Ben Bateman, sometimes where you're like anything you got. I'm good because <laughs> I'm fucking Kevin Smith, you know, where he's that confident. Maybe he's just like, you know what? I don't care which one I'll go. So you can go first just because I want you to feel a little bit better about yourself, you know? So there is like, there can be that psychological aspect to them as a competitor. But like I mentioned, if you, if you want to go down to the numbers, if you want to work on your strategy, that's going to be your focus. That's Alex Mack on the wheel, everybody. Make sure to tune in to uh, tonight, 10.15. Alex uh, does a reaction over Kelly and Sullivan's match. Make sure to go tune that out on this channel. We already that's Don't easy. go back and watch the beginning of this video because we spoiled that. Yeah. I, we, I yes, I apologize for doing it, Alex Rant. <laughs> yeah. I, I said we don't Boiler City. Yeah, I don't think either is wrong. It's just how you approach it. Megs, to nobody's surprise, coming in here very even killed on that. We don't think it's just how you approach on the game. It's either right or it's wrong. I agree. That there are, it's totally different mindsets, and that's why I think we explore the round two as much as we do on the show. Because they're here, let me let me get all of our pretty faces together real quick. Boom. Um, round two, I, I will say until the dawn of time is both the most interesting and the most in-depth round of the whole show. If you look at it, no matter what way you look at it, there's so many philosophies to go into it. There's the psychology piece to it. Do you feel first to check them out? Are you a momentum player? Do you want to just be ahead? What do you do comfortably to help you feel good going into round three? Um, is it go first? Is it go second? There's the strategy pieces to it as well. Do you think you have more categories on the wheel that would favor you going first? Or do you wait to get some of the bad categories off that you know that your opponent maybe picks? Or they just get saddled with it and you're happy that it's off the wheel? Um... No schools are right or wrong. I agree with Megs on this one. I think that it's whatever makes you feel most comfortable at the end of the day. So with that being said, Bibbs chooses to defer to go second, which is surprising because he's got arguably one of the widest knowledge, all knowledge is all the spoon oh, What's on the wheel? Mm. on that wheel for those particular matches. He does do pretty solid, but a lot of times he might have been in situations where he really spun in his favor. So for all we know, he could have liked 10 out of the 12 slices or whatever it may be. And so it's just, it, we, we, I have a hard time really determining like 
basically have a hard time determining how confident he is over the matches that we're on. Right. And this is kind of where we'll tie back in, right? So looking back at Bibbs on uh, some of that kayfabe stuff we were on earlier before we had to bring Alex on because she was available on, on drop of a hat, was uh, sitting here saying with Bibbs, is he somebody that can be rattled in the match? And i not saying 100% of the time, but it's it's been shown. I, we've seen challenges get people really heated on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen them get heated over just silly challenges that went into depth. Uh, if you look into the triple threat match, things got what seemed pretty heated there. Now, granted, that could easily have been a kayfabe play to just make Burl feel uncomfortable and everybody was getting wor- overly worked up on it. Or, you know, you can look at some of the other times. I've seen Bibbs get worked up in a match before as well. Now, it's not consistent. I wouldn't say that you're going to always be trying to push the mind games against Bibiani. But it's something to consider, um, making sure that you're hitting the right buttons whenever you need to. How often does it ever? How often does he ever take a respin? Great question. Now Maybe. that's something I'm kind of curious about. I mean, it's would you say he's kind of a he is more of a strategic player, or is he just kind of like? Because I know McQueenie, like he doesn't like to. He's not very strategic as a competitor, for example. Right. I, I don't he's think. Like, he's a- he says that he should. You should be good at everything. Essentially, yeah. he's that guy. I don't think he's a strategic player because I remember two or three years ago talking about this with some people, I forgot who, but we've talked about how Bibiani has like arguably the most knowledge in the snowdown, but he's not the most strategic player because like he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't like understand the game like certain other players do, like Ben Bateman. He doesn't like think about what strategies to use. He just goes in, he knows what he knows and he answers questions right. And that gets him far because he knows a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that certainly has improved over the last few years because he has been getting more strategic as the game goes on because you have to be to compete at that, at that level. But I, I don't think he is one of those strategic players. I think he gets by on his knowledge. Yeah. I, and I agree to a point with that. I, I, know I completely agree with Matt in saying that I think he's improved a lot in his strategy play because I think that shows that he's mm-hmm. not realizing that the game is just more trivia, and I think he knew that pretty early on whenever he wasn't doing as well as he should have been with his knowledge base. But, you know, I think back on a couple matches, I forget which one it was, but there was a time where he was sitting there and he was writing a, like there was an answer for a question, something really short, one word, and he just kept writing. It's like, man, it's a long one. And then at the end, it was just like Zoom or something like that, right? But it's just the subtlety, like the small little things to make your opponent second guess. They're like, wait, is this a long title? What movie is it? You know, you can start to see those little turns come into the matches. And I respect and love that he's putting that extra effort in. But by and far, yeah, I would say you have kind of a spectrum where you have players who are just hyper knowledgeable and would just rather just answer questions called a day than yeah. play strategy pieces to it. Not to say that it is exclusive. Somebody who's brainy can equally be somebody who plays a strategy really well. Yeah. But you generally tend to see him be on one side or the other. I, I just want to point out something real quick. Jonathan Lazo in chat said, I think Bibbs maybe gets rattled more by audience reaction than competitors in KVM. I think there's there might be something to that because I just checked his uh, his live event record. I think he's 0, 0 for 3 for live events. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he might but say. Also, but considering two, also, out of- two out of six respins in the past year, Megs, you are amazing. She <laughs> is wonderful. Megs, you're like, you're wonderful for sure. Um, something I'm kind of curious about as well is obviously, like you said, a lot of the impact of a live event can have on competitors. Obviously, the lights, the energy, it definitely changes. Um, but he's also a competitor that's obviously, to a certain extent, he is very comfortable being in a live event. He is arguably 
no scratch that absolutely the best free-for-all competitor we've ever seen oh, yeah. he thrives in that live environment the energy and you know actually just being on stage obviously he is a performer um but maybe i wonder if the difference oh three out of six so he does re-spin like half the time so um i feel like that's pretty typical honestly for a lot of competitors um but at the same time um when he, during free-for-alls there's not pressure right you know so he's no one expects no one actually goes into a free-for-all expecting to win a belt <laughs> unless oh, yeah. it's kind of a little bit right now but uh, but if you're going to actually if you're going in for someone like a like like the action guys or or something like that um it there was a lot of pressure on not only like for example when Shazam performed, but when Bibbs in particular performed because he played in two matches that night, potentially could have had played three. So no, that's a lot of pressure. And you know, he was even said on the social meet on social on Twitter at different points. And he's like, Yeah, I'm feeling the pressure. I'm really nervous, but I'm excited. Right. <laughs> I think that the free for all is a different beast, uh, pun intended, that because it plays into his strengths because he is a more knowledge-based competitor and to do well in the free-for-all you have to have that knowledge you know, there's not much room for strategy because you're just answering questions right so yes. i think it definitely plays to his strengths 100%. yeah um kind of bringing it back because we're here to talk about how much we, we got to beat the bibs not just to, to love them and break them down too much but it's been very insightful on getting in details with that so yeah round two he has a couple categories that he's not super hot on that's kind of really the a lot of the strategy in the match i think that those are his Weaker points with it, round three, he's like 66% on his five-pointers, which has, I think, been notoriously his Achilles heel in the past. Um, I can tell you the exact stat here shortly. Now, talk about Michael Jackson more. Well, the last dance was really interesting. <laughs> this is okay. my the last dance. I got you, I got you. Okay. 66.7%. That's two out of three, uh, or four out of six in this case. Boom. Um, that he gets his five-pointer. So the majority of the time he is getting the five-pointer, but it's the same percentage with the three-pointers as well. So, I mean, I feel like if you're really going to – and this is pretty this is pretty uh, true for a lot of players who have really high round one averages, is that really your best chances is going to be the wheel round and pushing him into the three and fives. The further you push them into the deep cuts, is the harder is the time they're going to usually have with that. And I would say that's a strategy you generally want to go for. If you're a heel and you want to do some character work, throw in a challenge that you know is just going to upset them. Um, because we've seen bibs get pretty heated over challenges in the past, and I think that's, that's, that's going to take you Yeah, that's going to take you off the game a little bit. But by and far, you're praying. Yanni's a good, good player. We don't cover bad players unless we talk about bringing Hannah on the show. Um, I don't think you, when you say bad uh, competitors, I don't think you actually mean bad competitors. I think you just mean to say evil competitors. That's true. So, That's true. you know, well, best, um, um, <laughs> Bader inspired. Right. I mean, that's true. I mean, how do you lose a Chandra twice? I mean, it's Chandra, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, i see how Zipper, like, would, what would he would think. We don't talk about Zipper, all right? Zipper should be winning all of his matches. He's the next Dan Merle. I believe it. No, okay. Can we just talk about some episode just really kind of dive into Zipper, honestly? Because, honestly, he's played. He's improved significantly over time. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. I mean, his last match, 
I, I uh, when he played against Stacy Howard, I was like, I felt kind of bad because looking at the records, you know, and he has played since singles before, once before, I believe, but he played so well. And where the fuck did Stacy Howard just pulse Anthony Hopkins right out of her ass? Uh, I can't wait to see more of Stacy. Are you guys gonna talk about Stacy all that much? What? Yeah, you're talking so. about Stacy when you were on, like two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, really when you were on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Alex drinks a lot, guys. You have to follow. That's true. I have a Jameson shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, oh no, cue Alex right. right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, so like we said, if you're tuning in last second for a study guide on bibs, throw out a challenge in round three, get him rattled, hope that he misses his three and his five. He gets all of his point two pointers, often, often. If you want to go here often by the weekend, go check out that album. It's there's a song on that it's called Often. That's how often Bibiani gets his two pointers every time almost. Um, yeah, three and a five is where you want to push him. Get him into a category that he's not comfortable with. Go check out our graphic to find out what categories those are. It's not super great. Eighty percent and less is not really a lot of like you're going to kill him with this category, but he's probably not going to be the best. Nor is he going to feel confident, and that's what you want. Take let's away talk, confidence. Let's talk real quick about his weaknesses for a second, because I remember his his uh, two biggest weaknesses apparently are uh, new releases and movie release dates. Yeah, which I would not expect because he's in the industry; he sees all the, the new releases. So, like, I'm not sure how. how well, that he, well, thing is that there, he is a. Okay, so I have a theory, guys, on the different types of teams there are in Schmodown. Okay. Um, okay, I feel like we can save that for a whole episode, honestly, because and we can really, like, label every single team. But um, I need to – well, okay, so just to name a few. One, the first team would be the critics. So these are particular movie critics, such as D13, where they're both – established movie critics they're not so much tv personalities or movie personalities or anything along those lines such as roca or ben bayman their focus is to critique movies online and write articles essentially you know that's like in uh, that's their big thing now versus something like founding fathers you know uh which is actually a combination of the two so they're to me they're a combo uh they're a combo team so uh, Roca, for example, he's as far as I know, he's not online writing articles about it, but he's he, his face is online a lot. He's actively talking about movie news, all mm -hmm. that good stuff. He's part of um, he's part of like you know a whole bunch of stuff. So that's a second. Whereas Dan Merle, also he does. I mean, as far as I know, he doesn't do much stuff online, but he I mean like like writing like movie critics and stuff like that. But he does do a lot of stuff similarly so they both are like actively having a face out in the open so versus that's much more like i said personality focused now option number three is a combination of the two so a combination would be like someone like paul and tom for example or paul and tom would be like tom he does a lot of stuff online. He does some. He does. Uh, he does a lot of writing and stuff online. He has like a pretty popular movie blog. He does like, you know, he writes a lot of articles and movie critiques and stuff. But alternatively, Paul doesn't. He's more in front of the camera. He does personality stuff. Right. So that's like mentioned. That's like more of a combination, like I mentioned. But the fourth one and the final one is where they are neither one of them. 
and we don't get a lot of them. So someone like Paul Oyama, for example, he's not a movie critic as far as I know, and he doesn't have like a YouTube channel talking about movies or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, as far as I know, we, we, he, there's not many teams like that though, but there are, there are the potential to have teams that are in that wheelhouse. Yeah. And I, you know, I totally agree. I think that it definitely says a lot to sit here and have people who are just absolute movie fans, but don't live in the world for the profession. Yeah. You know? And yeah. we know we've heard um, like Bateman or somebody mentioned before that, you know, some of these people should be good at movie trivia. This, if this is their jobs and they're living, they should be naturally good at this. Mm -hmm. A good point real quick. And the new releases match last year, Bibiani was destroyed things comic movies. I think that's another thing to keep in mind as well is that even though it is their job to be reviewing a bunch of movies, Generally speaking, some critics tend to be steering away from some of the more mainline, uh, we'll, we'll call it more popcorn flick, right? Ones you, ones you don't I, start, well, I don't yeah. know about that. It's not so much, I don't I don't think they're kind of, I don't feel like they're like snooty about or or steering away actually. I think it's just because they know it's a, it's more well-known, a little more established, and therefore it's more, more likely statistically to be steal, to have a good steal if necessary. Sure. So I feel like it's more of a risky category. You know, depending on who you are. I'll meet in the middle and even say that I think a lot of it depends on personal preference taste. You know, Bibbs may be yeah. somebody who just does not care for comic movies, and I'm pretty sure he isn't. Uh, I think he's mentioned before that's the case. Not that he hates them, but, you know, if it's not something that sticks out to you, that's going to be harder to recollect and match. For example, if you give me rom-coms for anything, guys, I don't care for rom-coms. I could watch all of them. They all seem like Vince Vaughn doing something to Mila Kunis or something. I don't know. That's Right. Uh, that's, I don't even know if that's a movie. Like, I really don't, but it feels like that's like right. something I would say. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds familiar for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so it's to that point where if you ask me a question and they're like, all right, so who who is the two leads on this? I'm going to say Vince Vaughn and Mila Kunis because it just, it just seems generic. If you don't have a passion for it, your brain doesn't want to retain yeah. it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Lazo says, Overshare, I was just, I just meant going forward, I bet his accuracy in the releases would trend up, which is basically the point I was I was going to yeah. make. That I think that because he's he has the profession, I think that we will see his accuracy going up because, his like I said, his two big, biggest weaknesses that we've seen are new releases and movie release dates. Movie release dates is surprising because yeah, that's something you can easily study. So I think... I don't think so. I feel like the exact opposite, to be honest, but... I mean, I think it's a brand-to-brand -brand thing. If you're statistically, we've heard competitors say it's easier to study because you're not thinking about in depth or characters. It's a number attached to a movie. That's, you don't have to watch the movie. Well, I, I totally agree with that. It's it can be easy to study. It's just the amount you have to study. Right. So, for example, um, you have to know not only all genres, all directors, all actors and actresses okay. across. You know, and not to mention, sometimes you have to go into multiple decades. Oh, okay. <laughs> For example, year was um, um, Glenn Close's Fatal Attraction released in theaters? 1987, of course. Nat, you were saying? <laughs> there you go. Let me just rephrase. I don't mean, okay, yeah. I think I said easily study. I, you you yeah, can it, study. If you can absolutely study it, like I mentioned, it's just going to take a it's just going to take a lot more effort versus right. other categories that are easier in theory to study. Yeah, um, if you look right. at people like Ben Bayman, he just he just doesn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it is. I told you. I had no idea. <laughs> if you look like uh, people like Ben Bayman, 
he doesn't like he doesn't he's not born with that knowledge. He puts in the work, he studies. So like and he said it, and he, but he's also mentioned that's like for him it was one of the hardest categories to learn. Yeah, that's a fair point. Like you just you need to put it in the work and then it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it, it is possible. So that's all I'm saying. But because so many so few competitors can ace it so well, I mean, you can always be close. You can be like, oh, 2000? No, 1999. Doesn't matter how. <laughs> you can't argue those numbers. Versus like what versus other car- categories, you can challenge. You can argue some things. With movie release dates, you can never argue it. And it's if it's close, that sucks, you know? But I mean, there's no ifs or ands or buts about it. Close, like Glenn Close's Fatal Attraction from 1987. Well, uh, okay, so if he, I say, if I ask uh, in what year was um, Mystery Man released in theater, you know, and you guys say 2000, <laughs> no, <laughs> you say 1987, oh, you say 2000, you're both wrong. Obviously, uh-huh. it was re- actually released in 1999. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't matter how close you are, you know, it's. Yeah. So there's can't argue that. Really, yeah, it just kind of it's just so much to study. Not to mention, so every year, almost a th- thousand movies are released in theaters. Like, and not to mention, ninety nine versus two thousand versus ninety eight. I mean, like, ugh. here's the trick, and we'll we'll start to wrap up on this though. And I think Ben Bateman's kind of explained it in the best way. And this is probably a good person to get from that. And <laughs> thinking about when that movie came out relevant to you in your life. If you were alive when the movie was released, I think it's a great movie. Yeah. I, I think that's why Scott Mans does so well in that category because he's much older and he's he can like remember where he was when movies come out. So right. I, I don't think Mans is the type of person to study. I think he's just good at it because he's he's seen all those movies when they come out when they come out in theaters. And that's why he's not a good competitor. Right. And that's why I guess nineteen ninety nine for Mystery Man on the second guess. I knew that. I knew that. I'm so good. Uh, wait, Dylan Reborn? Don't ask. So, anyway, guys, uh, if you've tuned in and hopefully enjoyed all this wonderful content on us breaking down way too nerdily and statistically into this, then we've got some bad news. Ron Hyatt for a little bit, guys. We're going to take a small break on AAA Live, so it won't be here back in another week or so, um, mostly because I've got to come up with more crazy shows where we have a bunch of competitors now, apparently. Alex. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna meet up with Hannah, do some PR, uh, get some of that call to action stink off this show while we have lunch with Brendan Meyer. Brendan Meyer, reach out. I don't know if you're watching the show right now, but we literally made the show because you and Chandra said you need study guides, and we made the show. Please have lunch with us. Thanks so much work. We did nothing. We just reported it. Thanks McCurley, everybody. Never too nerdy. Make sure to go check out Meg's, at Meg's Reclaimed on Twitter. We love Meg's here on the show. Love Meg's. Um, Alex, give some plugs. We've got some stuff going on, always. Um, I'm going to be doing some stuff tonight. We were acting to this Star Wars match. Um, um, and I'm kind of scared to watch it. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, we'll be doing that tonight around 10, 10, 15, just depending on when Rachel you know, gets done with uh, with her interview with Roka. So that's going to be fun. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at real underscore Alex Max. So definitely give me a follow there. And Schmobates every single week. And speaking of bids, this is going to be on Schmobates next week against up against uh, Billy Belford, where we're going to really uh, do some argue. There's some solid arguments. Uh, they're going to be on, let me see if I can pull it up. Whammy! Right there. 
Um, so yeah, so yeah, um, uh, this is actually an out of date, um, a little thumbnail here by Ben Bayman. He actually did one uh, just last night. And as we can see, Billy Belford is going to be going up against uh, bids on the third. So let's see what happens. Ooh. Um, Nat, give him plugs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NattyIce44, push.tv slash NattyIce44, and AAA Live whenever we come back from a hiatus. Yeah. Um, you can catch me at C-A-M-A-C-H Octopus on Twitter. You can also catch Alex on Roka's show every morning or something like that. I don't know. That's oh, um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is Mornings with Roka. Um, we really kind of dive into some movie news. Tomorrow, we're going to be chatting over the new Sonic the Hedgehog sequel. Um, as well as a few other stuff, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, spo so spoilers, Alex just has more things to plug than I do. I just plug my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's more on this channel. We just hang out, and I just drink Red Bull and, you know, what, do it live and just shake the entire time with excitement. Right, right, right. Um, we'll be back with AAA in the near future, guys, we're gonna we're gonna let some more matches flesh out. We're gonna let this Star Wars stuff play out. We're gonna let this interview some stuff flesh out, and then we want to get back in. We want to get hot. We're gonna get heavy. We're gonna get stagnant. We're gonna have numbers that you've never even heard of. We might even have algebra. With the sweet, nasty stats and facts, we'll be back. Ooh, talk numbers to me, man. Mm. Ooh, oh yeah. In the meantime. I've got to figure out how to make a show where me, Matt Belford, and the competitor eat lunch. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll tune in on that. If if you think that's interesting, I don't care. I'll still host it on the show because I do all my shows without anybody's approval on this channel. Anyway, guys, that's our show for this evening. Make sure to check out all those plugs. If you like our content, make sure to subscribe. If you like the video, make sure to give us that thumbs up. We appreciate it. You're even give us that bell. Give us that bell. We want that bell. All the notifications. We will catch you whenever we come back. All right, guys. Have a good time. Bye.